Hello everyone, welcome to Risk Roundup. As artificial intelligence brings a profound and lasting shift in the nature of intelligence and relative balance of information power, its rapid advances, application and adoption across cyberspace, geospace, aquaspace and space will offer everyone as many opportunities as it does challenges. The fundamental transformation revolution and evolution capability that artificial intelligence brings has leveled the playing field. What is common to everyone is now access to technology and information, but what is not common is how we use that information for what purpose and goals. As a result, understanding broader trends has become very essential. To discuss the AI trends further. I'm delighted to welcome David Yakubovich to Risk Roundup. David is a principal data scientist, AI instructor, and host of a humane podcast that focuses on artificial intelligence and is based in the United States. Welcome, David. We're honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Thanks so much for having me. Wonderful, David. So what are the broad AI trends to watch in 2019? Yeah, so where we are right now is there's so much rapid advancement in the AI space. Predominantly, it's around two subfields. The first one is computer vision. That's images and video and how you can build applications around that data. The second one is natural language processing, how you can take text and whether that's for customers or for clients to interpret that text. That could both be based around audio and purely document-based. Uh, the evolving here is so fast, primarily because compute has become very efficient in the last three years. And now you're seeing a lot of startups and Fortune 500 companies going all in on AI. Yes, that is very true. And you mentioned a really very interesting point about the images and videos. Now, as we see the deep fake also, you know, that uses, you know, videos and audios and the boundaries has blurred between who is the real person, who is the fake person. So how do you see that, you know, uh, trend moving forward? Because we see so many people in news or so many news every day coming about, you know, Facebook CEOs, you know, video was altered or something else has happened. So that is a cause of great concern to so many people across nations because there is no way to know what you are listening or what you are watching whether that is a genuine or not, whether it's, you know, AI based or, you know, it's a deep fake. That is absolutely incredibly true. And here we are in June and July, 2019, there were three major breakthroughs in video. One, um, Bill Hader, Hader, he's a comedian and he does a lot and he appeared on um, a comedy show. And what happened is an AI researcher took his face. And what they did is when he spoke in the Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation, his face changed to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So that was incredible, more of a prank, more fun and thoughtful, but still concerning. Then what we just saw, this posted just a couple of weeks ago, and I shared it on my LinkedIn, which is where they took Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, made a fake video of him appearing on CNN saying something that he never said. Um, and, you know, look, if you're the average American, you may not know that that was not Mark Zuckerberg. If you're an AI researcher, you can still kind of spot the fake. Then uh, just in mid-June, uh, there also came out a deep fake video of Bill Gates, right? Bill Gates, former CEO of Microsoft, wasn't really him. So you're starting to see a lot of impersonations. And this AI is getting quite good. 
Um, I think a lot of researchers are saying for us not to worry because they don't want to alarm the public. But I think the evolving nature of deep fakes is occurring quite quickly. And that's going to create several opportunities. One, malicious opportunities where you're going to have bad actors trying to do a lot with deep fakes, but also the opportunity for security companies and threat intelligence companies to come up with solutions to detect these threats. I think where we're going to see this trend become real for the first time is in the 2020 election. I think in the United States, for all candidates, you're going to start to see some of these deep fake videos go viral. And campaigns are going to have to come out against them and say, no, this was not really our candidate. And it's going to be challenging to detect what is real and what is fake. It is very challenging because, you know, especially if you talk about elections, I mean, people go back to so many years and, you know, some or other clip comes out. Now, there is no way for even the candidate to even remember, you know, what events happened or what, you know, he said, what he didn't say. So this is very, very, you know, disturbing because that is, I don't think we have any technology at this point to know well what is a fake and what is a genuine video or audio. So do you know if there are any trends emerging by which we can, you know, diagnose or, you know, know whether, you know, what we are watching or whether, whether what we are listening, whether it's a genuine. Is there any trend in the direction you are seeing? I would say from a text perspective, there is research emerging. So firstly, before videos came about, a lot of articles started to get written by machines. And new research uh, in May and June uh, has come from MIT and Harvard and IBM that's able to detect if text is fake, if the text is written by a machine. So we're starting to see that you can see an article and notice, oh, this part's probably written by a machine, this part's probably written by a human. The video part and the audio part is new. Uh, and the challenge is there's not much out there yet. And the two parts that are concerning about deep fakes is one, detection, detecting if it's real or not, but then two, to authenticate if it is real. Uh, there's a lot of machine learning conferences that just kicked off this summer. They're talking about solutions here, but there's nothing live in the wild. There's no products today to say, I can validate if it's fake or real. Uh, you'll need researchers to discover that. Um, I, I'm sure there's going to be new ventures coming out very soon here. But I can tell you, uh, I think it's going to be interesting, especially with the elections. The harder part is really thinking about interference from bad actors and foreign actors. Uh, we saw this in the 2016 election, where from other countries, we could maybe say Russia and others, that they came out with ads on Facebook, and they put images of someone who was not really theirs and created groups with fake Facebook accounts to encourage opposition and encourage different activism that was not really from the real candidates. So we saw that there, but you can only imagine if someone takes my face or your face and creates videos of us saying messages that aren't true, how will we defend ourselves? And it's not just about how we will defend ourselves, but what will be true or not true anymore? Ooh. So what if I really did say something and then I want to backtrack it and say it's not real? So I think authentication needs to happen. And I'm not sure the exact technology for it, but it's going to be something with AI to detect AI. 
Mm, that would be very interesting, you know, because it, it, this is a warfare. You know, there was a time we were just having warfare based on information. We were trying to hack into other people's accounts and trying to see what they actually wrote or, you know, said, things like that. But now this is a warfare where, you know, AI is just driving it and, you know, creating all these deep fake videos and audios. Now, you're right that maybe the solutions will emerge from AI, but we'll have to see at this point, we don't have any solutions and there is a lot at risk because you can destroy pretty much anyone, anybody's reputation, you know, based on these defect videos. And uh, there is no way to go back and convince the masses, you know, that no, this was, you know, defect video and there was nothing true to it because people, you know, they just, you know, will believe that. So this is a cause of great concern and I hope that innovators you know, come up with a technological solution quickly. And, you know, law enforcement comes up with ways to identify and to stop these kind of activities. This is a huge, you know, critical risk that is emerging for the future of humanity. But let's move to other topic. Otherwise, we'll spend the entire one hour discussing this. So while artificial intelligence has given industries, we will first focus on industries that across nations, the same starting point in access to AI technology and information and the big data, you know, there are so many other variables in each industry ecosystem from energy industry to healthcare industry to, you know, uh, IT industry that will determine whether an industry will be able to use the data and information from its ecosystem from within their nation or across national geographical boundaries to develop AI, automate and transform to succeed. What trends do you see as far as we talk about the industries across nations, not just United States, anywhere across nation? When you speak geopolitically, there was a study that came out from Brookings Institute last week that said by 2025, China will control more than a quarter of the world's data. And part of that is a result of tracking and using sensors everywhere in society. Now, what does that mean? China as a society, for example, has started to install cameras everywhere. They've started to use all their smart devices with cell phone providers like Huawei and where all the data is running through a central system and being stored in databases. Now, in this case, geopolitically speaking, China as the economy it is and the system it is, um, has that control over its people. But when we look at a country like the United States, it's quite different. Because of how our political system is set up, you have systems like San Francisco and Oakland, which have recently banned facial recognition in public on body cameras from police and uh, buses and public buildings saying this is unjust. You have the New York Privacy Act um, that is going into legislature in New York right now, which is supposed to be tougher than GDPR and CCPA, which is the California Consumer Privacy Act. So you have a dichotomy of two types of worlds. One, China, let's have AI everywhere. Let's run data everywhere. And the US where it's we want our protection and our privacy. The challenge is that these worlds are colliding very quickly. We're seeing right now in Hong Kong an immense uh, sense of protest that we have never seen before. 
We know back in 1997, Britain handed Hong Kong uh, over uh, by gesture and grace uh, to China, and it was mentioned that Hong Kong would stay independent uh, from an economic capitalist standpoint, but that the systems would start integrating with Beijing, and now we're seeing millions of people protesting over their rights and privacy and data and access. Uh, the challenge is what direction is the world going? Is it going a direction of China society? Is it going a direction of American and European privacy? I think the world is going to splinter. And that's one of the big trends that we've seen this year. Uh, one individual who I learned a lot from is Amy Webb. She's an NYU professor. She has the Future Today Institute and her annual trend reports. And what she's coined in 2019 is the splintering of the internet. This has never been more true than today because in China, so much media is not available to the outside world. And if you're someone from the U.S., you might say, oh, that's that's challenging because they should be aware of this information. Citizens should be empowered to know the real news. But if you're a Chinese citizen, and I've gotten to know a lot of individuals in mainland China, they say, well, our country's protecting us. Right, our country is protecting us from misinformation, from bad actors. So just how we in the U.S. think we're trying to be protected from bad actors, it's the same thing in their ecosystem. The challenge is when it comes to financial means and it comes to money on the line, that's where the geopolitical crashes happen. And we're seeing that with tariffs. Um, on one end, the U.S. has uh, claimed its victory with Mexico for building a partnership on a better tariff uh, direction moving forward. And the current president, Donald Trump, has said, we can do the same with China, but I'm not sure the direction that's going to go and how much geopolitical tension that might create around data and AI. Yes, very true. That is a cause of great concern. And uh, it's in very interesting, you know, how China is moving forward because this facial recognition technology and the sensors they are, you know, implementing everywhere. Yes, they are generating a lot of data, not just within China, but also the countries that are adopting China's technology, for example, Malaysia and, you know, other countries. So it, they are creating a lot of data, no doubt about it. But how the data gets transformed into the you know in information and intelligence and what systems and practices will shift because of it that in china will not be we will not see uniform result because the, the data that they have and the systems and practices that they that will shift because of their data and information and intelligence that will be very different than what we in united states or any other country that you know we will see because like you said you know the internet very likely is going to you know splinter that you are very right about that uh, so it's quite unfortunate in a way because we at the end of the day we want to look at the future of humanity and if china goes a different way and you know the rest of the countries goes on a different way then if europe goes different or you know us goes different and uh, the asian you know other countries goes you know on their own path then we will not have that integration that we were hoping for because if we have the collective human data from across nations then we can understand a lot more you know, easily how, where the problems are originating, what we can do to solve those bigger problems facing humanity. Because in the coming years, we are going to face so many complex challenges. And if we are all, you know, working in silos, like how China is doing right now, 
that is actually you know very uh, disappointing because we are we are going to miss out on the collective you know data collective information intelligence uh, for the future of humanity so uh, yes there are systems and that they, they are generating a lot of data but whether that is for the good of humanity or not that is uh, you know questionable so from your assessment what systems and practices are shifting at least you know i'm not sure how much knowledge we have or information we have from china how how are the systems and practices shifting or evolving as far as china is concerned so when we talk about ai there's two major emerging trends which i'll break it down like this between china and europe and the us china we could say is doing ai for all we want everyone to have access to ai and every point of your life is going to be tracked and interpreted and measured. That's where the social credit system has shown up in China, where if you decide to jaywalk across the street, uh, maybe your credit score goes down. But not only that, in recent months, when you jaywalk across the street in Shanghai, your bank account automatically deducts the fee to pay for that ticket. It doesn't even ask for your permission. It doesn't even let you go to court. They've taken a very authoritative stance on bad actions. Now, the distinction between what's occurring in China and the US is AI for all, China's thoughts, and in the US and Europe, AI for good. So I think that's the dichotomy here. And AI for all means we're gonna implement AI everywhere. We're gonna take actions that build a better society for our people, but, then the question becomes, how much of that is ethical? And we've started to see ethics occur in the US. Some of it's been failed. Google no, launched their AI yeah, ethics board. Not mm -hmm. only ethical, because uh, how much is also genuine because of countries like China, you know, they are uh, authoritative and they can wipe out their opposition, political opposition, by even having the deep fake, you know, some kind of manipulation of the news and, you know, they can destroy people. So that is a very likely because there is no way to know whether the data that they have that is genuine or not. It's true that China has their own version of the FBI and their own cybersecurity defense forces. I personally don't see China as a malicious actor that wants to interfere with others' elections and societies, but I do think they do want to be the top society in the world. So I think they are going to, economically speaking, do what they can to um, strengthen and become the number one society. I think regardless of the actions that the U.S. takes, over time, China will continue to lift itself up and be a top society. But I think one of the geopolitical risks is most of the world does not speak Mandarin and Chinese, while the rest of the world does speak English for business speaking practices. So um, I think AI will bridge that gap, though. So I'm generally more that optimist that I hope um, we do repair society, that I do believe possibilities are there. And one of those technologies that also has shown up at CES 2019 in Las Vegas is these new headpieces that can live translate languages. So in the past, uh, if you had to go to China and you had a factory and you're working on products, you, you'd hire a translator and they work with you. Um, but now this earpiece can live translate the audio. Uh, on the Humane uh, AI podcast that I host, last week I had Noelle La Charité, and Noelle actually leads conversational AI initiatives at Microsoft. She works on bridging the gap between Cortana and Bixby and um, Alexa and Siri and all these voice agents to partner together. 
and we're starting to see that there's a unification of voice and the AI for good part could be, I could speak to someone who speaks Mandarin and their other language without learning that. So I think that's a good sense. Um, but I do think the biggest challenge is the US. We have a lot of pride here in this country. We are very much enjoying being number one in the world, but that may not exist forever. And we have to find the best way to collaborate with everyone around the world. The challenge is, it's this um, opposing forces of China's rise and the U.S.'s fall from grace colliding at the same time. And we have two very um, strong-headed um, leaders, both uh, in China and the U.S. So, um, however, you know, this begs the question, what is the right direction for geopolicies? And when we think short-minded of the next few years, that's not the direction we want to think of. We're trying to think for our kids and our future generations? What is 30 to 50 years down the road looking like? And the best solution is a world that works together where companies like SpaceX that are launching satellites to bring uh, internet to rural regions around the world can be globally speaking. But uh, I'm you know, not too sure in the short term if this is going to get better. Uh, there's been talks of a global recession coming back into the speak we saw it disappearing for the past six to nine months, but now with interest rates, I think a lot of interesting things are going to happen. And perhaps AI could be that sector that does reinvigorate the economy and keeps us going strong. Well, um, the point that you made about the demise of US, I wouldn't be so you know rushed to think that that's going to happen. I think that's uh, uh, there is a competition very severe competition emerging from across nations. China is not the only nation. Uh, everybody, This is a level playing field as far as the technology is concerned. So yes, how you use the technology and how you apply it to your industries and to all the components of a nation and how you advance further, that will likely you know, shape the economic power of coming tomorrow, but it is still too early. To say that you know China is succeeding and US is uh, you know declining, there is there are a lot more variables that are you know in the play, and uh, we will see in next ten years where things stand. But yes, the competition is emerging very rapidly, and China, as far as you know, uh, we have been you know this has become more of a dialogue between China and US. But the China, there is you know also a cause of great concern because they they are advancing very rapidly, not trying to see and take a cautious step as to you know what other security risks that can emerge from the rapid you know applications and adoption that they have you know gone forward with the ai so there, there is a you know we have to take a very cautionary steps when you know ai is concerned because we just don't know where it could lead to so we will have to see in the in the coming years you know how this uh, shapes up but as far as the latest transformation uh, based on the AI triggered disruption is uh, going on and it, it's very unique. There is no doubt that this is a very unique kind of transformation and uh, we are not just using products and services, uh, you know, we are not just talking about that, but we are talking about feeding information to the technology and get, uh, getting the inform intelligence back, you know, to us. So this is fundamentally shifting all the products, all the services, you know, all the systems, the way we do things, you know, everywhere across nations. So from your understanding, where do you see and how do you see the systems evolving, not just at a 
local level or industry you know business level uh, but the national level and global level how do you see the systems emerging and i mean one point we discussed that because of the data silos now you know emerging because of the you china going a separate way and you know uh, other countries are going separate way that that is going to uh, be a inhibitor for us to you know develop some collective systems that we were hoping that we'll be able to co- develop but how do you see the systems evolving i think the systems are going to either evolve to more of a seamless society or a slower society so the seamless society would be that we have facial recognition that uh, allows us to board planes in the united states uh, and then those systems speak to each other in europe so it's very seamless it's faster society where communication speeds up, business improves, and societies are able to automate routine and repetitive tasks so that we're working on bigger challenges for the world. However, the other dichotomy is, well, a slower society where data starts becoming the right to be forgotten, as in GDPR, or the right to be excluded, and the right to live offline. And that creates an anonymous society where topics like blockchain and crypto has been all the rage in the last few years. Uh, That may or may not come to pass, but I still think seamless is the direction we'll move. The challenge with a seamless society is, say that, At airports, we start installing facial recognition cameras at Delta, at American, United, and JetBlue. And then that means you don't need as many gate agents and FA agents as well for security. TSA employs a couple hundred thousand people. Do we really need a couple hundred thousand TSA agents if we can automate this process with AI and recognize if someone's carrying a firearm and uh, if there's a water bottle in a bag through, through looking through scanners? All this could be automated. But then the challenge becomes, where do jobs go? Where is the future of work? I think the future of work um, is at risk. Uh, We have every year there's meetings in Washington, D.C. with a lot of thought leaders from Facebook and Google and other organizations that say, let's transform the future workforce. A lot of these organizations launch workforce initiatives that are driven by philanthropy, and they say, let's invest back into the community. But the challenge is reskilling and upskilling, getting people into technology only does so much if it doesn't lead to a job. If I say I'm going to pay for a scholarship, but I'm not giving you a job, how much good does that really do for all? So I think as we move more towards an AI society, a lot of jobs are going to become at risk. And any task that you can think of that is routine, that you can write a code script to automate is going to become at risk. And what will those new jobs be? Uh, They're gonna be jobs that are called super jobs. According to the Deloitte Human Capital Management Report in April 2019, they recently coined the term super jobs. They were moving into a society where the future jobs are what three jobs used to be back in 2005. So, for example, if you're an analyst at a financial firm, no longer will you simply be working on reports, but perhaps you'll automate these reports and you'll have automated dashboards and you'll have automated customer surveys that you'll be managing all these flows. And that limits the amount of people and human capital that used to run processes. The risk becomes that as you continue to automate processes, then bad things can happen. 
What's an example of a bad thing that happened financially a few years ago? We had the flash crash of the New York Stock Exchange. That's where all these financial companies and hedge funds automated their trades and processes. And then one day the stock market went down over 1,100 points. Well, the same thing could happen. What if you're barred from flying on a plane and then the police service says, we're going to revoke your license and then a warrant's going to be out for your arrest and then you can't get a loan approval. And before you know it, it, it tailspins into a negative cycle. Now, I know that's what's happening in China. So this is real in 2019, but all this could happen in the US and Europe as well. And if you don't have human oversight, that's where the risk becomes. So I'm a big proponent of AI ethics. And I think creating boards like what the IEEE and the World Economic Forum are starting to do today is moving the conversation uh, in the right direction and moving the needle towards the proper oversight that we need for these processes. Well, uh, no, no, you're right about that, that, you know, there are a lot of risk emerging, but I am just not sure that by having a ethics discussion or having you know some sort of board is going to solve any problem uh, we need to embed the security in the code you know that is the only way to develop some sort of uh, uh, security for the challenges that are emerging because you know if we look at the criminals cyber criminals uh, they are using ai for offense you know and attacks and uh, we have to come up with the effective solutions to that also are based on you know using ai as cyber cyber defense but this is just not about the cyber criminals attacks or you know the where the challenges are emerging because at the end of the day if the algorithms the code in that uh, if there is uh, no way of knowing whether there is a security risk emerging from the code, then by having any ethic board or any ethics guidelines, it's not going to make any difference. So we have to come up with a new way of identifying the risks that are emerging from any of the algorithm that is being you know, uh, developed uh, from across nations because we need to have some sort of central repository. We uh, a risk group you know, just issued a paper on that and it's on our website that we are saying Saying that we need a different way of identifying the security risk emerging. We need to have the algorithm identity and we need to create some sort of a system by which we can understand what security risks are emerging. So I hope you read that paper and then probably some other time we can have a discussion on that. But I don't see any way that AI ethics board or, you know, guidelines are going to make any dent in the security risk that are, you know, emerging because of the technology and technology transformation and uh, the uh, cyber criminals using this technology for their benefit, that, that is not going to work. Now, the second point that you made about the jobs, that the jobs are disappearing. Yes, there is no doubt about it. The jobs will disappear. And uh, there is a broader discussion right now about how to how the society will sustain that let's give everybody universal basic income but how much basic income is enough for a family to live on that and where that money is going to emerge because of the you know capitalist system right now the organizations the companies that own the data they are you know controlling most of the money so how are governments going to give benefits uh, for years and years to all the citizens so that is a big challenge so what we have proposed is that you know now data is the workforce 
the workforce is you know evolving it is no longer humans that is uh, that is a workforce and it's not the technology that is the workforce but data is the workforce for the coming tomorrow so every right now all of us are we are giving away our data free to all these corporations and we uh, based on the data they are making you know millions and billions and trillions of dollars if you look at collectively all across nation so why do we give away data free when you know in the coming years we are going to have challenge sustaining ourselves because there are not going to be jo- you know many jobs left for most of the people yes technology people will still make money so why not we make sure that you know our data gets you know we trade or we give it to the people uh, to the corporations who pays us you know the most and let data be our source of revenue so that is what we have proposed and that is where i hope that the discussion you know goes forward because we have to come up with unique solutions it's our data and based on our data free data that we give away to corporations they are making tons of money why not to use our data and generate a revenue source for us so that is a discussion that needs to go forward because we have to think about the solutions for the coming tomorrow so from your assessment uh, where uh, let's talk about the other industry i mean security industry definitely there is a huge challenge but it's going to take you know a lot more time to discuss but if we talk about the healthcare industry there are a lot of advances happening as we have seen you know and uh, based on the applications that are emerging we are at a point it seems that we can provide pretty much basic free healthcare to everyone across nations if the governments decides to you know collectively use those applications and uh, provide the basic you know screening to all their you know uh, citizens from across nation so basic healthcare could become free if you know the governments work together and the country nations work together and uh, use the applications that are emerging do you see any trend from that So there's a few points I want to uh, mention fr- from your previous comments uh, Jay Shree but um and then I'll move right into healthcare. So uh from a cyber perspective uh New York City is uh I think on the cutting edge here. They've launched Cyber NYC which is a 100 million dollar initiative to have a cyber workforce in New York City. A uh, partnership between Facebook and Palantir and Cornell Techleon and uh Cuny and and Columbia. So I think building the cyber workforce in countries and having them partner together uh similar to what the UN does on different models around the world can help create stronger security around systems and the challenge why we need these security around systems is you're absolutely right our data is being mined uh it's being measured it's being calculated but it's not only being done by machines it is being done by humans there are companies like cloud factory and figure 8 which are actually quite fantastic in the sense that a lot of these top ai products that we see today are not labeled by machines they're labeled by humans and these are cloud workforces in nepal and kenya and china and other or, other countries where helping the power the ai systems and yes it is helping lift those nations out of poverty but at the same end to what extent will those jobs still be around and what outcomes will they have so that's that's an interesting conversation to be had and part of why that's interesting is you brought the point of universal basic income. Um I'm not a big fan of universal basic income. I know we've seen uh in uh parts of Scandinavia it's working uh but one of those studies I think in Norway said after a year of universal basic income uh the people in those societies yes they had less stress yes they had you know they better able to pay their rent and their food and their daily livelihood however it didn't help 
anyone get new jobs, right? It did not create more jobs. So, so I like to coin a different term I call conditional basic income. We can provide uh, that money, but on a condition. It's similar to workforce initiatives with the Small Business Administration in the U.S. that says, we're going to help you get a job, we're going to do certain things, but as long as you apply to X jobs per week or you have so many conversations, it still doesn't guarantee an outcome, but it creates motivation. And that motivation can inspire you for the job likelihood. So I think that's an interesting perspective to take there. Yeah. Now, please. Mm -hmm. No, no, I said yes, you're absolutely right. Sure, I, I may not be right, but I, I think it is. Um, I think it's probably a step in the right direction, and and something like that may have to be explored over the next few decades. Now, the healthcare perspective, I think, is extremely fascinating because uh, I myself have been in and out of hospitals with friends and families, and I've seen uh, how expensive the healthcare system can be in the United States. Um, and we're starting to see AI systems go in place. For example, in New York, uh, if someone has lung cancer or they have brain cancer, Mount Sinai now um, uses AI systems to detect these tumors and detect these nodulars which are sometimes up to 99% accurate, even more accurate and quicker being accurate than radiologists and, and other researchers. Uh, so that's interesting. We have faster systems in place. We can also relay information with cloud systems. Now, we're in the early stages. It's 2019. A lot of things are going to break. Uh, in California, just a few months ago, uh, Kaiser, I believe, had one of these uh, robots that went into the hospital room of a grandpa in his, his uh, older years and said, there's nothing more we can do for you. Please go home. Thanks for staying here. Right. And it, it, it didn't come across great because no one knew that, you know, the robot was going to tell the grandpa, sorry, you're dying. Um, so I think a certain empathy has to be applied here. But I do agree that um, the healthcare system costs have gone outrageously out of control. You know, 10 to 15 years ago, deductibles could be 500 to $1,500. Now the average American family has a deductible of 6,000 to $15,000. So, uh, and, and that much money can put you into debt. It can make you live paycheck to paycheck. Yes. Very true, yeah. very true. That's a huge challenge. And uh, these are the big, you know, problems that we have to keep in mind that this technology and tools that we are developing, the reason behind that is that we can come up with effective ways of solving those big problems for the future of humanity. And that's where we need to keep our eyes on because at the end of the day, all this progress and uh, advanced development that is happening, every technology that we are developing is irrespective of whether it's AI or blockchain or, you know, uh, gene editing, any of these technologies that needs to be for the future of humanity and we cannot uh, you know get uh, our eyes off that so the future is happening around us and the changes are profound very profound from the perspective of human history and security and there has never been a time of greater promise or greater peril because you know there is so much at stake and uh, the question is, what would it mean for human existence, our very survival, security and sustainability? Do we know and understand the impact of the trends of AI uh, or, and, you know, or any other technology for uh, the discussion's sake? Because we have to, as humans, we have to understand what applications are emerging, what who is adopting and what is going to be the impact of that. 
So the question is, are we rising to the challenge as a nation, as an individual, as a nation, as a society? The big thing that we don't know that a lot of AI researchers are predicting is we are right now in what's called the fourth industrial revolution. The fourth industrial revolution is known as such because of internet of things and sensors. And the entire world is going through a new renaissance because we're installing sensors everywhere. We're starting to mine all this data. We're starting to automate processes. Now, this is creating economic bloom in a lot of countries, but it also may create economic poverty. Overall, it should lift up more people. Time will have to be told. And this may be a cycle that could last for 40 to 50 years. The question becomes after 2050, 2060, when the whole world is all censored up and data mined everywhere, then what? If we start automating away all the jobs, what is needed then? And it's quite uncertain. Some AI researchers say we're heading towards a world of light where then um then, then what? You know, there will not be jobs. And others say, ah, but we'll have the creative expression. We'll be living on Mars. We'll be traveling to Pluto. We'll be thinking of all these moonshot, moonshot ideas. And they're interesting, but I like to be very grounded to reality and to think that uh, the best way for economic growth to happen is for more resources to be held and for more people to be using resources. That is how society has grown over thousands of years. But we see a lot of factors showing that the world's population is slowing down, that resources are slowing down. So it's very interesting. And I don't have the answer yet on where that will take us. But when I see countries like Zimbabwe, where money is worthless, Venezuela, where chaos is breaking out and there is no electricity for four days on end. Um, Nicaragua, which is on chaos again. Um, there's so much going on that we don't hear about in the US news. We don't hear about in the Chinese media. Um, Europe isn't even aware of a lot of these trends. And so I think if we can put AI for good, we can lift people out of the current situations they're in, but some sort of conditional basic income is gonna have to be there. Um, if we don't do that, Americans are going to go to other countries for healthcare. I had a neighbor recently who um, decided they were going to Central America to have surgery for glaucoma for their eyes. They said for them in the US, that would cost about $6,000. And where they were going in Central America it would cost $1,200. So you know, and, and again, that extra $4,800 could very much put that person into poverty and not making their bills. So um, there's a lot of challenges, but what I am more hopeful for is that what AI will do for us is create a better system. It will create a better tomorrow because we'll be able to detect things early, detect diseases earlier, um, create more crops uh, with autonomous systems, um, have less accidents on the road with self-driving cars, uh, create food that is of a higher quality based on having it watered at specific times with the right sunlight. Um, have roads that are safer for bicyclists and pedestrians. Uh, I think a lot of things are going to improve, um, but we have to look at all these industries and break them out one at a time because you can see in all of them, there could be the risk of travesty, but also the exciting possibility of new frontiers.
very true very true there is a huge potential there is no doubt about it david because ai gives us a capability uh, to move forward it increases our intelligence it it lets us collect you know so much data so much information and the processing power that it gives us you know we have in intelligence you know on our fingertips at any moment there is a lot that ai can do not just on earth but it can go beyond earth you know there is a lot of uh, uh, serious discussions going on about you know asteroid mining because the resources are uh, declining here you know not human resources but the natural resources so uh, there is a you know uh, great discussion going on and the great initiatives emerging about you know mining on asteroids and uh, th that would perhaps you know give a boost to the economy global economy and there is also uh, a fear that you know earth will not be habitable in the coming you know Uh, decades or uh, how many years i'm not sure but uh, so that you know robots intelligent robots with artificial general intelligence can go on uh, on the space uh, exploration and colonization and prepare the space uh, and uh, maybe you know create uh, habitable colonies so that if there is a need arises then humans can go and you know we have we can survive so there are a lot of good things that can happen because of the advances in ai if humans you know work together if we all across nations all the decision makers work together and not make it about you know power struggle and not uh, kill each other for uh, economic supremacy or you know political power that is uh, where the security risks are emerging because the technological advances are not happening for the first time many times it has happened before and uh, every time human civilization has suffered you know very uh, significantly because of this uh, geopolitics and uh, warfare that emerges because of that so having said that what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners about your initiatives and especially about your podcast if you want uh, our global viewers and listeners tune into your podcast what would you like to tell them Yeah, really appreciate those remarks, Jayshree. And so I have a podcast called Humane, H-U-M-A-I-N, and it's a weekly podcast that focuses on topics that we just talked about, both the good and the not so good on human-centered AI, AI governance, uh, future of work, uh, automation. And I interview a lot of AI experts who are chief data scientists, heads of AI for AI for All, former advisors for the White House, really interesting people like this, where we have discussions and the real conversations about new products coming to market, uh, tangible results around AI that we can think about today. Um, and we also talk about AI failures. You know, you and I have uh, covered on some of them today. You know, uh, we're even talking about like how Elizabeth Holmes with Theranos and healthcare had an AI startup to detect from a droplet of blood uh, the future of your health and how some of this is not real. So we try to get a really grounded um, for everyone. Uh, I've launched off the back of that the Humane Trend Report, so a quarterly report that dives into AI topics that are very tangible for how it may. disrupt jobs and how it may change your life for the better or worse so that's coming out and also working on the humane ethics board so i know ethics may not be the solution but what i do believe is conversations start moving us in the direction for the solutions. Uh I'll be sitting next month at the Voice Summit in Newark, New Jersey, which is a big AI uh conference on an ethics board. 
uh, with uh, some executives from Google and Microsoft and others talking about the future of AI and ethics. So I uh, love to have these conversations. And if you'd love to hear more about this, for sure, check out the Humane Podcast. Wonderful. Thank you so much, David, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on the AI trends. And even if a single individual or entity can understand the AI disruption based on the discussion we had today, this Risk Roundup dialogue has been of service, and we thank you for that. Thanks so much for having me. Wonderful, David. Thank you so much. So Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group, is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies, technology convergence and transformation happening across cyberspace, aquaspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to the management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to the management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if you build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch or listen to the risk roundup video on your podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayshree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.